Before I get started on today's Mortcast, I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee, in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right smack dab in the middle of the dairy block. If you like wines, and if you like any basically any sort of wines, but if you want the feel of uh, a family vineyard, uh, go to Blanchard Family Wines. Uh, they have their own uh, vineyard in the Sonoma County of California. So obviously they're going to be specialized in Pinot Noir, uh, which is excellent. Uh, last time I was in there, I had a Riesling that they have in partnership with a Grand Junction vineyard, uh, excuse me, a Western Slope vineyard. Um, and it was actually excellent too. So they have a lot of different varietals. They got, they got Cabernet, they've got, uh, as I said, Pinot, Rieslings, uh, whites, reds, you know, even at wine cocktails, if you're really not into the whole wine thing, uh, the staff is extremely attentive and, and knowledgeable and really will set you up with what you need when you go in there. But my favorite part of going to Blanchard is the atmosphere and how I just enjoy sitting in there and enjoying the time. Uh, it's in a beautiful spot right in the middle of the dairy block. If you're down in Denver, uh, having a dinner at one of the, like, you know, Morton's, Chop House, any of those lower downtown uh, restaurants, jaunt on over between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee to go to Blanchard Family Wines and you'll have a great nightcap. It's one of my favorite places to go in Denver. They are on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. Once again, they are located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right smack dab in the middle of the dairy block. When you go in, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you there. What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Today, we are going to talk about the, I can't, <clears throat> one of the most unusual trades that ever has gone down in my time of covering <clears throat> the Denver Nuggets. Maybe I could compare this to the July, or, or yeah, kind of, it was almost a, a the sad trade of Ty Lawson in uh, uh, 2015. Uh, when he was sent to the Rockets, but this is just was more complex. It was a 12-player trade um, involving many, many players. I won't go over all of them. I will tell you about what the Nuggets sent out and what they got back. Um, the Nuggets sent out Jared Vanderbilt, Juancho Gomez, and Malik Beasley, and they got in return. Uh, Let's see, they got Joe Green, who I am told that they will probably release as soon as he, the trade is completed. Um, they got Keta Bates-Diop. They got Shabazz Napier. And they also got uh, Noah Vonley. Now, it's an interesting trade for many facets. And I'm going to start with the overlying kind of point that all of the players the Nuggets got uh, from Gerald Green down to Kieta Bates-Diop are essentially on non-guaranteed in the case of Bates-Diop to uh, everyone else, all three uh, expiring deals. Um, they, instead of having to submit a qualifying offer to Juancho Hernan Gomez and Malik Beasley, they basically freed up their cap um, above, above the equivalent of around $6 million for next year um, by this deal. And they also got a first-round pick from the Houston Rockets for this next season, which obviously is going to be a late first-round pick somewhere in the 20s. Um, 
there's a lot of ways to look at this trade. A, we need to start with Malik Beasley and Monster Hernan Gomez. Uh, let me tell everyone with unequivocally that both of them wanted more playing time. Both of them uh, wanted to, but primarily wanted more playing time. In Malik Beasley's case, uh, he wanted to get paid. And the Nuggets had to make a calculation whether Malik Beasley was the type of player to go into the luxury tax over. And they made the calculation that he wasn't. And I think in that sense it was correct, particularly coming off of, uh, you know, not but particularly be his not being a good scorer and someone who can show flashes, but someone who really has never been consistent. Um, and some of that could be to do to the erratic playing time that he has. And uh, obviously that will contribute to any player's he has like erratic shooting, erratic play, inattentiveness on defense. All of that kind of plays hand in hand. Same goes for Juancho Hernan Gomez, uh, who was having mostly a bad year. Oh, he's had some flashes. In fact, his last game against the Blazers in the Nuggets 30-point blowout of the Blazers uh, was a good one. It was a really good one for Juancho. Uh, the Nuggets have been extremely shorthanded, and uh, he, he and Malik both stepped up in that game. Um, it was just a, a case that the Nuggets felt, I feel, that the the two were going to be gone. And I think that rather than lose them for nothing or have to submit a qualifying offer and tie up your cap for two players that needed playing time, wanted playing time, and wanted a chance to show out what they can do, I think it was best that they get traded. And I think everyone kind of understood this. Where the the rub and they traded out Jared Vanderbilt, which uh, Vanderbilt wasn't getting any playing time, <clears throat> and none of us really knew what he could do. Um, he's been able to do show various things on the court, um, but not enough to the point where we know exactly what Jared Vanderbilt can be or could be. Um, so they essentially sent out six million dollars worth of salary. And came back with essentially one non-guaranteed contract for 2020-21 and three other expiring deals. And it's an interesting position the Nuggets are in. And you can view this trade in a myriad of ways, and it's going to be hard to interpret this. There have been speculation, has been speculation, that the Nuggets will get use that uh, 2020 first round pick that they got from the uh, Houston Rockets to maybe be a lure to get another player in a trade. Um, I will be quite honest with you. I don't see how a 2020 draft pick in a subpar draft is, I don't see what it's going to do for them. Um, it is maybe a situation where the Nuggets looked at it and said, well, this is another thing we can have. We didn't have a first round pick this year because we sent it out for Jeremy Grant so maybe we can just get one in return and see what, see what happens, basically. Um, I don't see a lot of options unless the Nuggets include Gary Harris and, and another really prized asset. I just don't see how the Nuggets can get something right now in return unless they are really, really um, willing to part with Gary Harris. Um, some of the calculation here is based around the fact that the Nuggets know their rotation, they know their players, 
and they're <clears throat> gambling on the fact that no one will get injured. Where the Nuggets have struggled, and this is, and some people said to have talked, projected this into the playoffs. I don't think the risk is in the playoffs. The risk is in the regular season. Uh, the Nuggets are supposed to play tonight against the Utah Jazz, and because of this trade, they're going to have they're they're going to have no one because Millsap and uh, um, Mason Plumlee are still out. Michael Porter Jr. We don't know, but it's, he was like the game against Portland. He was still listed as out. Um, and it's the roster's going to be really thin, really thin. They're going to be forced to play Vlatko Chanchar, and it's just, I just don't know where the Nuggets will be able to overcome this. This could be one of those games where it's called a trade loss, where the game immediately after a trade is done, you don't have enough players, and therefore it chalks up to a loss. They're playing in Utah, a team that probably wants some revenge, there you go. But as projecting into the regular season, um, if the Nuggets continue to be injured, um, look, the likes of Shabazz Napier and, you know, look, they now have four point guards on the roster. I mean, I, <laughs> it's one of those things where you just don't look at what they got in return and think this is going to help them in the regular season. Many of these players, I just don't see them getting playing time. Um, and if they're forced to get playing time, this accounts for injuries, and injuries, it's going to suck. Um, the Nuggets' insurance against injuries has been Malik Beasley, primarily, and to a lesser extent, Wanchukun Agamas. Now, I do know for a fact that the Nuggets liked Keita Bates-Diop. Um, they brought him in for a workout in 2018, and uh, were sufficiently impressed by him. He was taken by the by the by the wolves, but uh, they really did like him. I don't know if he moves the needle. He seems like he seems like a player that is more of a five to ten minute a game at the most kind of player right now in his career. He may develop into something else. He's only been in the year league two years or one and a half years at this point, but you never know. Shabazz Napier has uh, shunted around the league. Famously, he was brought to the uh, Miami Heat in 2014 because it was believed LeBron James wanted him there, and then LeBron le- left for Cleveland. Um, that is his probably his most notable um, appearance to any of you out there. Um, he has been a largely unremarkable player. Um, it is is one of those things, and and I'll tell you that I, look. Despite what you may think, P.J. Dozier has done a good job filling in. And I don't see the need for a player like Shabazz Napier on this roster. At least projecting through this season. Um, And then there's Noah Vonley. Now, uh, I'll tell you a little story. In the draft of 2014, uh, Nate Timmons and I uh, were sitting around the the lounge at Pepsi Center, talking about what the Nuggets were going to select. And famously, that was the draft where the Nuggets selected Doug McDermott, trade back, they got Nurkic and Gary Harris. Uh, There was real speculation around at the time that the Nuggets were really interested and liked Noah Vonley. Uh, He ended up going, I think, before they picked, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, And 
but there was some feeling based on people we had spoken to that they liked Noah Vonley. Now I, he has stood out to me as someone who was, has length, but doesn't necessarily have much of anything else besides that. So if you are into the length part, um, he fits with that model and the nuggets have really emphasized length of late. Um, Keep in mind, although, last night that Jeremy Grant seemed to hurt his ankle. And uh, there's another injury for the Nuggets right there. You may be seeing these players thrust into a role that... Look, you have three players that were on the Minnesota Timberwolves that uh, has lost somewhat, something like 12, 13 games in a row. Um, do you do with that what you may? Um, the, the trade deadline is tomorrow... So there may be time for another deal. I am skeptical. I'm skeptical that they'll be able to pull one off unless they are really willing to commit to getting out the first-round picks, maybe multiple first-round picks, and who knows what they want now. I tend to think that Drew Holiday is not on the radar. I tend to think that they they would like a shooter. Um, Which one, I don't know. You know, maybe, maybe a J.J. Redick. Who knows? Um, I don't think Drew Holiday has ever been on really as serious on the radar as people like to project. And it is going to be interesting to see what they do. I am dubious that anything will happen. I think at the very least this was a move to keep the cap clean, um, considering it's not growing as fast as it was before because of the China thing. And I don't, they don't have enough as much room as they will. And they are over the cap as we speak. Now they do have Millsap coming off the books, Mason Plumlee coming off the books. Uh, and you got essentially up to, uh, fourth, well, Joe Green, Bates D up, uh, Napier and Vonley. All could potentially be coming on top of that. So you're looking at $52 million potentially uh, coming off the books. And then you add on, uh, in between there, uh, Jamal Murray's salary, which will take up a good half of that. And you're really kind of, you're not creating a ton of cap space other than the fact that you will get farther on, under. Um, and next year's, next year's free agency class isn't exactly what I would call spectacular. So, what are you saving money for? Is it just so you can assuredly stay out of the luxury tax? Who knows? Or they may actually be working themselves up to a trade. Like I said, I'm dubious. I don't sense that that's where they are going. I have been wrong before, and I will be wrong again. But that is my sense at this moment. I don't see them spinning something on to get a something else. Uh, the the only asset they could use, quote unquote asset, and I hate that word, uh, they could use is the uh, draft pick, and potentially some of their own. Uh, but I just don't. I just don't. I, I just personally, in my opinion, I don't see it. I think the deal is what it is, and the Nuggets are betting on. Michael Porter Jr., specifically, and they're betting on the the rotation players they already have to really kind of boost them up. 
Keeping in mind, of course, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, both Malik Beasley and Juancho Hernan Gomez were likely going to be gone. Okay, there was a greater than not chance that they would have not been on the roster as of the this offseason. So, spinning that on to where we are right now, what do you think? What, what do you as Nuggets fans think of this? I want you to tell me on my Twitter account, at jmorton78. Uh, get to me there and tell me exactly what you think. Tell me why you like or dislike this deal. No wrong answers here, quite quite honestly. I do not blame you if you hate it. And if you like it, I want to hear it. And we can't be honest with you. I can see both sides. Um, I don't see, like I said, I personally do not see the Nuggets making another deal. I think the deal is what it is. And the Nuggets are really making a bet, in my opinion, on Michael Porter Jr. This is the, for, I'm deeming this the Michael Porter Jr. trade. Um, to free up minutes for him. Assure minutes for him as the primary guy now off the bench. And later, obviously, eventually the starter. Um, this is a Michael Porter Jr. trade. This is the this is to me the trade that says we believe in MPJ. What do you think, Nuggets fans? Let me know. I'll be talking to you soon. Goodbye.